Welcome to She Bought That DVD, the podcast where every week we are watching one new DVD from our mother's giant collection. I am your co-host, Jaylene. And I'm Violet. And what movie did we randomly pick last week to watch this week? We watched Catch Me If You Can. Correct. And both of us had disclosed last week that we had both seen this film. I, more recently than you, mm-hmm. uh... It was 2020, the last time I had seen it, and it was right around this time of year, too. So it's been three years since I've last seen this film. That was officially the very first time I had seen the film. The other time I had seen it, Dad was finishing the film, Uh, and it literally was the ending. And I'm talking him coming out of prison, disclosing that he could catch and help killers, doing the little airport walk of like deciding whether or not to come back and then the credits. And so when Brady and I were watching, he's like, oh, there's a really big twist at the end. I said, oh, is it because he helps the FBI? And Brady was like, are you kidding me? You already know the answer to that. I was like, yep, uh, that got spoiled a long time ago. (laughs) Not that I could say like that's necessarily a spoiler nowadays. Like it's like similar to like everyone knows Darth Vader's dad, like, this movie has been out so long that you either know the ending or you're a newborn and you don't know anything about this. Do you remember the last time you watched this or the first time you watched this? I do remember the first time I watched this because I watched it with someone, but I think I've seen this movie three times. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen this movie at least three times, more than twice. I couldn't tell you every single time that I watched it and when, but... I think I fell asleep the third time that I watched it. So this time. Not, sorry, this is my fourth time watching it. Gotcha. Would you say you've seen it within the last five years or greater than five years? I'd say the last five years. Okay. Did you enjoy watching it this time? Yes, but it wasn't some... I watched it over two days. I did too. So that was nice. And I was doing something else while watching it. If I just had to watch it, I think I would have gotten bored. However, the first time I watched it, not bored at all. Yeah. Which I I feel bad for my score. That's kind of how I'm feeling too. The movie itself is great, but I really think the most magical part of this film is watching it for the very first time and experiencing, I hate to say it, but like the sexiness of all of the cons that happen and they're like are revealed to you and like the filming techniques are really exciting whereas like watching this you're like okay like i i know what's happening you Con- know where he's gonna go where he's gonna end up he's not gonna stay around for long and yeah yeah but like on the other hand i can re-watch oceans 11 knowing what the ending is and still find that movie just as exciting as the first time It's very interesting because I find that movie very boring. Oh, just 11. I don't care for 12 or 13. Doesn't do that movie. I don't know what it is. I'm excited for when we get to watch them. Which ones do we own? 12, 11, 12, and 13. We have a a triplet. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm excited for when we get to watch those. Not to say I hate them or like I just not as crazy about them or find them as captivating as you do. I enjoyed watching this movie for the fourth time, not for the cons, 
but for the watching the development of this young boy who was like 16, 17 when he ran away from home and started doing this to see how um, lost he was, how all he wanted to do was please his parents and how he just wanted to be a part of a family, which we see when he ends up um, with, I didn't write it. Brenda. Brenda and her family and when they're sitting on the couch together. It was kind of heartbreaking and how he he felt like he just like lived in his own slightly delusional world Mm -hmm. not fully grounded in reality Mm -hmm. or comprehending what he was doing or getting away with yeah just that he could yeah so this film was a huge blockbuster back in 2002 it was released december 25th 2002 that was actually a U.S. release. All the other days were either January 1st or January 2nd, 2003 for huh. the rest of the world. I'm not too sure why they do that. And I like there was no explanation. But yeah, Mexico, Canada and um, Europe. For it to not be a, a Christmas movie. Yeah, like Europe, maybe I understand because Christmas is quite a special mm-hmm. day in Europe. But for Mexico and Canada, like I can't speak to Mexico, but Canada uh, we're known for having December 25th, the movie theaters are open. Like that, that is a thing. Like we've done it. I think we did it with, uh, Mockingjay part one. We did it with that. And one other, there's two years that we went. Yeah. I can't think of the second one that we did. It might've been part two. Cause they, they've like, um, pushed them out. I almost think it's part one, um, of, I don't think it is divergent. I'd have to fact check. Whatever the third one is. Allegiant. Or Insurgent. Whatever. Yeah. I feel like it was part one. I don't know. Because we saw it together and we were not watching movies together at that age. Yeah, but I think it has to do with... And I remember walking out of the movie theater with you. I don't know. I'd have to like fact check. check. I'd have to fact check dates of release in order to uh, corroborate all this. But I'm sure we might own whatever second movie it is. Like, I know we own their Divergent series. So, like, if that's what happens, we'll find out then. But we also own the Hunger Games series as well. Uh, so our good old friend Christopher Walken was uh, in this film. I forgot about that. Yep. Fourth film now. I did not expect embarking on this project with uh, seeing him this many times. And mom still claims she's not a fan of Christopher Walken. It's the fourth one. Hairspray, this one, that other one. What's the fourth? Uh, Robin Williams, the president one. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The one with... uh, What's his face that I don't know? But he's also in... No, maybe not. Now Now I'm getting it all mixed up. Okay, it doesn't matter. But yeah, so Christopher Walken was in this film. We had Tom Hanks in this film. This is a very, very first Leonardo DiCaprio film. We have quite a few of his that we'll eventually get mm-hmm. through. Who else was? No, Amy Adams. We have quite a few Amy Adams films. So confirmed, Adia, Amy Adams, not the other. It's not Isla Fisher. Okay. It is Amy Adams. Yeah. And who else was big in this film? 
I think that was like pretty much the top four cast. I mean, like her parents were also notable people, but not notable enough. They had like a small part in it that it didn't necessarily matter. Like I recognized them Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. I was quite surprised and forgot about Christopher Walken being in this uh, film. And I almost went onto his IMDb page and was like, hey, what other films do we own that we're going to eventually come across with him? Because it seems as though we own all of them. <laughs> the budget for the film was $52 million. It grossed worldwide $352 million. I think at this point in time, like con movies were actually quite a big thing. It was very exciting. Uh, the other thing that's notable for this time period was, so it's a Steven Spielberg film. He's in the midst of like the highest highs of his career. Cause like previous to that, he's done Schindler's list. Um, and then I think there's also a no- another notable saving private Ryan are the two, um big like 90s movies that he's just coming off of with the uh, oscar nominations and stuff this one also was uh, nominated for five oscars i believe it won two out of the five i don't remember what they are i'm not really good about looking at this stuff up anymore but i think it's just because it's cool to ha- know but it's not necessary to know like it's just it's a notable film that's all i'm gonna say about it The film we own is widescreen, and we own the two-disc edition, so it has bonus features on the second disc. I did not dive into any of them, but uh, some things that are on the special features was like behind camera, cast me if you can, so I guess it goes through all the casting decisions, Uh, the FBI perspective, which I think would have been cool, but I just didn't have time to get to it, score featurette, and then more apparently. I really liked the music in this film. Mm-hmm. That little like do 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 do. I'm not doing it any service, <laughs> but that got repeated throughout the film. Yeah, and it would be repeated during key moments that reflected something that was similar to happening to what was previously like. You know what I'm trying to describe, right? It's a con is happening, or it's an approach of a con is happening, so that song would kind of play, and then it would repeat itself, so it's a signal of like, okay, there's a little bit of something happening that I should pay attention to. There were no trailers. I just checked. We're both a little bit confused. Very confused. Because it's a 2002 DVD. For it to just go right into play. Yeah. I'm I'm not you put the right DVD in. Now. I did. I put the DVD in. I didn't put the bonus feature DVD in. So, I don't know. I would have thought we would have gone trailers for this, but I mean it goes to show that I watched it on Netflix this time. I didn't have time to put it in the DVD player and sit down and watch it. It was one of those cases of like I had to download it on my phone and I was doing stuff and walking with it around. Like I've never done that with a movie, but it was like, I have things to do. It's just been like a very hectic weekend and week. We have our trip this weekend. So it's just like, there's a lot going on. Okay. So I don't have any like super crazy IMDb facts to kind of go over i think the biggest one was tom hanks actually was not approached to do this film until i can't remember his name gandolfini the guy who played 
across from Julia Louis Dreyfus. Now let me look back because I'm enough said. The movie where she's dating the massage therapist's ex-husband. Him. Okay. Okay. So he was the lead bad guy on The Sopranos at this point mm-hmm. in time. And he actually was slated to be the FBI officer. Oh, okay. Henratty. And due to so many pushbacks with scheduling because of Gangs of New York, I believe that's the movie title for Leonardo, it conflicted with Sopranos. So he ended up having to drop it. And Tom Hanks at the time was not considered because in 2002, he was always seen as he's always going to be the lead role. And Steven Spielberg didn't want to offend him of like, you're actually going to be like the supporting cast. Tom Hanks was like, no, 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 no. If it's a good movie, I don't care who I'm playing. And so that's kind of how we got the role. And I don't know what it is about Tom Hanks, but holy shit, he's amazing. Oh, yes. Like, I think it's just like that assumption of like, oh, it's just Tom Hanks. But now like truly starting to watch more people consistently come up. Like Christopher Walken is actually a great example. Fantastic actor. Wow. He's so good in this role. <laughs> like four different roles we have seen him in. Yeah. All so different. What happened with that one film? Which one? Oh, well, that was that's not his fault. But like bad hair choices. But how did he not pull that off? And also, why did he choose to do that? Do we know? I don't remember why. He might have been doing it as a favor to the director at the time. Yeah, I guess the sad thing of that movie is we never saw the uh, originals. Yeah. Or the The director's director's cut, cut. sorry. So it's hard to... It's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, like, in a way, he plays a really great villain. Yes. So I'm not discrediting. I think there's just, like, a lot of red tape on that film where I'm like, oh, this just makes me very, like, uncomfortable, I think is what it is. It's, like, discussing things where I'm like, I don't actually want to discuss these. What a movie. (laughs) Whereas... Hairspray, him playing across John oh, Travolta. Can I pause? What movie was that again? Because we didn't even Wildside. Wild Wildside. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, he plays a phenomenal husband to John Travolta, and he's just this like doting dad who's like really exciting, excited for his daughter, and he only wants the best for her. And I'm just like looking at him i'm thinking dude you are not the same guy who played that dude in wild side like i can't i couldn't disassociate but now because it's like so far in the past and then we've seen him in different roles i'm like okay you're 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 now no longer attached to wild side that was like a standalone project that you've definitely improved from <laughs> so that's like really the only big facts that i grab from imdb um it was shot on over 150 locations it seems to have taken a really long time which i'm not really surprised on it's actually a lengthy movie it's like two hours and 24 minutes and there are some locations that have like been repeated in like notable movies so i believe the house that leonardo 
uh, Frank Jr. shows up to uh, to see his mother later on in the film that was used in uh, Father and the Bride, I think is what it's called. Okay. And um, the Miami airport was actually Ontario Airport in California, which I always forget that there is an Ontario in California. And it always confuses me when I see Ontario Airport because I'm like, no, Ontario is a province, but it's not. It's a city. And confusing. It is very confusing. And then the other one was uh, they used a high school that has been used multiple times. But yeah, that's all I really could gather. I have other points that I want to bring up, but I think I want to bring them up a little bit later on when we have our discussion about the film. Mm -hmm. So the movie starts and I, I have a criticism on this because the movie technically starts off with him being on the TV show, deceiving or trying to deceive um, the contestants about like who is the liar basically and who's telling the truth it's like a deception thing and apparently it's a real tv show that had happened and no one guessed it was him my frustration with using this is there is no end to this it's never ever brought up again in this movie and i don't like that it isn't mm-hmm. and so to me it's just like I understand what you are possibly trying to set up, but you're not finishing that storyline. And I think it would have been cleaner for it to just end with like how he outsmarted everyone on that TV show or whatever, because then it kind of proves to show that like he still can be the con man that he used to be. I always thought it did. It doesn't. And I remember that bothering me the very first time I had watched it because I was excited to kind of loop back. I was like, oh, like, are they going to guess wrong? Like, is there going to be a failure with the contestants? They're not going to win the money. But again, you don't see that. But according to IMDb, you can find the YouTube clip of the original airing of the show. So where the story truly then begins, in my opinion, where it should have started was it starts in 1969. FBI agent Carl Hanratty arrives in Marseille, France, to pick up a prisoner, Frank Abnegil Jr. Uh, for the most part, I am just going to refer to Frank Jr. as Frank and Frank Sr. as dad and leave it there just as a clarification because I... Yes. I don't really want to <laughs> differentiate. <laughs> So six years earlier, we meet him and his father. During his youth, he watches his father con many others. Frank's dad has tax issues, forcing the family to move to a small apartment. There's some family stuff going on. His mother and father are supposed to be in love. But she has an affair with um, her his dad's friend of some sort because like there's no longer money in the situation and she's not treated in the lavish lifestyle that she thought she was marrying into so the family pressures force frank to run away from home at the age of i think 16 or 17 is kind of like what is we're made to believe Needing money, he does small scams and they become bolder impersonating a pam am pilot later on so he starts by finding out how they're paid, what kind of like accreditation do they need, like all these little things. And then he ends up finagling himself. But 
accidentally finagling himself into basically the jump seat. His forgeries are now worth millions of dollars at this point, and news of the crime reaches Hanratty, who is the FBI agent that we had met on early. He finds Frank at a hotel, but falls for Frank's con. Time then passes because he's now realized, like, shit, I can't be a Pan Am pilot. Like, this gig has, like, totally gotten me into trouble. So he then goes to a different state and he meets this girl and he suddenly is now becoming a doctor. He falls for the girl, which is Brenda, and suddenly now decides he wants to be a lawyer. During their engagement party, Hanratty shows up. He tells Brenda to, uh, Frank tells Brenda to meet him in the Miami airport and they will fly away and live a happily ever after. But upon arrival to the airport, Frank notices that it's actually a trap. Brenda is there, but um, she's kind of obviously tipped off the fact that like something's going down. Instead, he spends a week training a crew. I'm just guessing a week. I have no idea how long this training thing was happening. So he can slip onto a plane and basically escape the country because uh, they're surrounding the airport. This timeline doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Does it make sense to you as in like, how is he, why are they always circling that airport and doesn't go to a different airport? And like, how did he quickly hire these girls? This doesn't make sense to me. So he calls. Does he like do it that same day? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That same day he calls wherever and he says, I'm having some sort of, I don't know what he calls it. Send me your best attendance. Then he goes and then he has this convention and he picks his top girls within the week. And um, Tom Hanks' character, Hanratty, Hanratty, is says he has he has to be departing from here. Like we we've got to catch him. So they just stake out the airport. Which, There's no other place that he can fly from. Which makes no sense. A uh, plot device, driving story. Yeah. So, anyways, that like that's a niggly point where I was like, okay, like I'll accept it. So he ends up going over Europe. A couple of years kind of go by, or at least two years go by, and they haven't been able to catch him, but he's been doing a lot more scams and cons with forgeries of checks. Carl ends up tracking down Frank and tricks him into being arrested. He tracks him uh, back down to where his mother came from, which she was uh, French. Through some obstacles, they end up back on U.S. soil. Frank escapes the plane, but then Frank ends up being arrested. So it's like, I want to say like, the way that this film wraps up is like the fastest ending <laughs> possible. Like the last 24 minutes are jam packed. Carl ends up visiting Frank at prison because he's sentenced to prison for 12 years for his uh, forgeries and stuff. Frank actually ends up helping Carl just out of the blue. He like had mentioned something in passing and he figured out what it was going on. Eventually, Frank is released under Carl's care, so long as he helps check uh, fraudulent checks. They then proceed to work together for the next, like, 24 years or whatever, like, based on the wrap-up. I think the final scene before that all happens is he works Monday to Friday, and Frank tells him, like, oh, like, you have to, not Frank, Carl tells Frank that you have to be here from 8 till 5 Monday to Friday, but then you see the confliction of... Frank being like, I don't know what to do with my weekends. 
he then goes like shopping and he's like, whoa. Well, no, he's not like, whoa. <laughs> he sees a suit that's piloty looking and it reminds him of his old life. He decides to go to the airport dressed as a pilot and Carl is at the airport and kind of calls him out and was like, this is what you're going to do. And Carl shows up on Monday waiting and waiting and waiting. And Frank finally shows up to work and he's there. And it's kind of just going to show that Frank is there to turn over a new leaf and he's working on himself and whatnot. You do bring up a really valid point about there are a lot of themes in this film that I feel like don't necessarily get finished. And that's okay because like that's real life, not... Not everything has a theme and not every theme gets finished, but it is like genuinely sad because he has so much love and admiration for his dad Mm -hmm. and he ultimately finds a family where he feels as though he belongs, but then he has to leave because he's running a con, but Hanratty actually ends up lying to Frank because the only way to get him back to U.S. soil is if Frank gets to see dad and when he's on the plane, he's like, actually your dad died. So Frank's obviously very upset. But the sad thing too, is like when he goes to visit his mom, she's completely like moved on. Mm -hmm. And so you see the turmoil of like, okay, like I'm literally on my own. I have no one. And so my true and only family at this point is going to be Carl because Carl is also in the same situation where He's been so left alone because his wife left him and now his daughter doesn't really see him. I don't know. I just think that was a theme where who knows what it's supposed to like necessarily look like at the end, but it's certainly a key point to Frank's life that drives him to consistently impress people and feel secure money is what makes him happy and feel that security because that's something that his dad really had in his life and that's evident by his wife basically leaving due to not having the lifestyle that she wanted Mm -hmm. the wife leaving dad not the wife leaving frank because frank was not married in this movie at the time he does end up getting like married and having children but also, I think it was beyond, like, his motivation to do what he was doing was beyond money. I mean, yes, it was a key part, but he wanted to bring his family back together and yes. make up for his dad's mistakes. Like, you see that early on with him trying to gift him a car, and the dad's like, I can't take this. I own money to the IRS. I, like, what are they going to think with me having this car? Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, do you think what Frank Jr. did was based upon his upbringing? aka the nurture that his dad gave him or do you think it was was nature well nurture influences what nature provides so he likely wouldn't have learned some of the stuff that he did without his father's influence i don't know if you just pick this up on his own yeah what are your thoughts um so this is where it now gets really messy because in his biography, Abnagnale, so Frank, says that if he wanted to lay down a baby con, he would lie about his childhood. 
All the stuff about Frank's dad being a hustler is made up as the real Frank Sr. was not only a straight shooter, but also one of Frank Jr.'s first victims. Since the kid started his criminal life with petty scams involved his dad's credit card. He once racked up thousands on spending spree before his dad got the bill. This is where I think it starts to get really messy because in 2021, there were actually a lot of articles coming out saying like, this story is just way too big and not really possible for one person to possibly do. Granted, it's in the 70s. There's no social media. There's no fact checking. But that's the issue. There's no fact checking. Someone literally could just sit down and be like, yeah, this is what I did because... But if you worked with... This is the part that confuses me. Is If you worked with the FBI... And we get the, at the end of the movie, before the credits roll, they're like him and I can't remember his name because it's Carl. Yes, sure. <laughs> Hanratty? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Carl. Um, it says that the two of them still remain good friends to this day. There has to be some truth in that, I hope. So since the 70s, journalists have questioned the veracity of Frank's claims. Not until 2021 was it proven that all of the major and minor cons portrayed in this film are either false or highly embellished. The truth was revealed over the last several decades by multiple unaffiliated journalists, documentary filmmakers, FBI officials, state officials, including state governors, medical institutions, individual victims of the crimes, and more. When confronted With some of these facts, Frank has admitted to lying or embellishing the truth, though in general, he avoids answering these requests for explanations. It is likely it was much easier to get away with his lies when there was little opportunity to fact check. Who did he sell the story to? Did he write it out first? Yes. Okay. He made an autobiography. So the internet and digitization of records changed all of that. In spite of this, Frank still stands by most of his fabrications and has often made up contradictory lies as explanations. I like first saw this, I think last year, it might've been like a circling Facebook article and I was like, oh, that's cool. But I didn't really look into this. So then when it came up, I was like, okay, like, I'm now curious, and that's what I read off of IMDb kind of goes with the article that I had read, where it's not to say that things weren't necessarily true, it's just the highly embellished part or the little lies weren't actually true at all. So there are things that he says he did as a con that didn't even exist. It's not to say that he didn't con and get his way onto Pan Am flights, but the likelihood of basically taking on three different careers is kind of unheard of and not being caught on. Fascinating. So in other words, it's like conning the con. Yeah, but is is it shocking? It's not. That's what I'm saying. It's just like how... And I guess this is like why my question of like nature versus nurture because if his father was actually never doing any cons how and why did this guy decide okay i'm just gonna fuck around boredom intelligence there's many reasons neglect but then you then think it's nature so he like has a natural talent is 
what but, I'm saying. Yeah, but I also said, well, how would you discover if you had a natural talent? I you, have no you idea. You would have well, you would have to try. Yes. First, so you're you're dealing with nurture because you would have to get feedback from someone somewhere. So that's also shaping you whether you can get away with something or not. Um, we don't know what his parents were like to make him um, not learn values and and respect um, towards other people of not cheating them out of whatever he might have cheated them out of. Um, so again, nurture, like it. He, he, maybe there is a natural talent of something, but I think that nurture shapes and guides that. Mm -hmm. Anyone has the capability to rewire their brain and learn new habits. Could be good, could be bad. Any direction. But I think we have a lot more control over more than what we, we think, I guess. And I think external influences also have a huge way of shaping the way that we we act or perceive ourselves or um, understand our limitations. Yeah, there. I and I, like and I do think there's like a genetic makeup of what we naturally are, but we also have epi epigenetics, which is fascinating because we have the ability to not rewrite, rewrite, but turn off genetic markers in our bodies to stop things from happening. I guess, like, I now look at this movie as someone who possibly was neglected and bored and decided to live in a fantasy world in his head and write about something that he wished he possibly could have done and embellished on things past further than what he possibly could have done. I, the only fact check that I didn't do, which is going to be a huge like disservice to what we're just talking about is, yeah, how did he end up working in the FBI then? Or is he just actually, he is really smart and can figure out how things are being manipulated and conned and he, he's great at that. And like that very well could be the truth is he just knew how to do all these things. So he was able to be a part of the FBI and that was that. But I do believe part of like what was represented in the film was based off of like his fantasy self. Oh, yeah. Great story, though. And like the other thing is like at the beginning of the film, it says based on a true story, which... <sighs> It's sometimes really tough because we've, we've only seen one that's like, yep, really based on a true story. Most things are manipulated to a certain point to Hollywoodize it and make it sellable and consumable and fast paced and, you know, have some sort of draw and anticipation and whatnot. Like that's what Hollywood's going to do with a film like this. What was your favorite con that he pulls off in the movie? That's a really good question. Honestly, him being the teacher, one of the first things that he does. Because in some ways, it's not really hurting anyone, except for the poor woman who shows up. Yes. But at the same time, like... He was just kind of like, fuck it. Yeah. 
Like I'm, I'm being bullied. Like yeah. I will screw you over. Yeah, I think is. I mean, it also shows him committing to this act, um, and how far he can take it. Like, and what what that's like to do. It's like setting him up for future things that he's going to pull mm-hmm. off. So mine is similar to the sense that it's not conning through checks and whatnot, but my favorite con is when he first meets Carl and he says that he's a part of the Secret Service. Oh, yeah. I think the cons where he's able to use his words to manipulate the way that you perceive him is literally the best like that he does. And you're right, him being the French teacher was like the first inkling that he's not only going to be good at recreating checks and doing forgeries, but he's also got a very good way with words. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love also the buildup of you see Carl and the sudden realization of like, Oh boy, I just got screwed over. Like, and then like him pulling out all the, um, Flyers, coupons, or whatever was inside the fake The wallet. labels. The labels, yeah. Yeah, from the ketchup bottle and the peanut butter, uh, peanut butter jar and whatnot. And he's like, okay, like I've met, I've met someone. He's going to be pretty tough to track down, but at least I know like what I'm looking for. Because then it's like this hand-holding moment, which is not hand-holding moment because Hanratty at the end of the movie ends up conning uh frank into coming out and being arrested because he's like the building surrounded blah 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 and you see like frank all of a sudden like okay like maybe i'm i'm not able to continue on with this anymore why didn't he stop he at one point they say um carl says he's it's like he's like four million dollars that he has stolen which uh quite a lot of money at that point in time, yeah. yeah. Why do you think he didn't stop? I personally think it's like past the point of no return. He's gone away with it for so long. Yeah, but he's so good at at getting away with it. He could have just dipped and disappeared. And, and correct. That's where I also thought like he's made enough money. He could literally disappear off the face of the earth and never have to worry about money ever again. I'm not too sure, but I think it was chasing a high or a fulfilling need that was not being fulfilled for him. And I think money brought him happiness that he wasn't able to get anywhere else and like the security that he couldn't get anywhere else. I think there's like a lot of things like money to a lot of people is what they need to survive on. And part of it might then come down to he had enough, but then it's like the greediness comes in because yeah, at $4 million, he probably doesn't need anything more than that to survive, especially if you're trying to keep things on the down low. But I do think part of it, he's like, well, I'm in this far. Like what's, what's the harm of continuing? Do you think he would have continued? If they hadn't showed up um, at the engagement party, do you think he would have continued? Do you think he would have settled? 
No, I don't. Okay, why? Part of me thinks it was an addiction for him. And I don't think any sort of love would have fulfilled or helped him get out of it. Because there were tiny little lies that he would always kind of layer on to. And embellishments is a great word for this. That he probably saw as no harm because it made the other person happy. So at no point, like he still was lying to her and to the entire family. There was tiny little white lies that were set into that. If he thinks he's found the family that's going to fix whatever he's missing, but he's still kind of lying on top of that, I just don't see it as stopping. Okay. Do you like what? What do you think? Well, he it was, it was the first person that he was honest to was Brenda when he was caught. He was like, "I'm going to tell you something," and he seems so distraught. And he's like, has a plan developed. He shows up at the airport. He seems so genuine in what he wanted to do that I I feel like he might not have given up his like minor cons, but I think he would have settled. Is how I felt about that. But like, because he, leaving- he finally felt he finally had a family. But if they were leaving the country and they could never come back, how were they going to? Not- oh no! Like yes, I think he would have until he had enough. But I'm saying if he if no one had showed up for the for for him at the engagement, like didn't catch him, do you think it would have stopped? He would have settled. No. Okay. I think he would have grown bored. Okay. I think. In some ways, he craved, chaos is not the correct word, but something new and different and and a change. He didn't seem like the settled type of guy because he was always moving around and like, okay, like, I just need to do this instead. And it wasn't necessarily because he had to run away. I think it was just like, okay, I'm done with this. I need to go fulfill something else. Okay. If you could erase your memory and rewatch this for the very first time, this is a dumb question, but would you? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> would you? Honestly, if you could erase your memory, what's one thing that you'd erase from your memory? It's, if you have this power, and I'm, I'm not using this power so that I could erase to wa- rewatch this, I, I would pick something else, but... What would you erase from your memory? So you could maybe experience for the first time or something you don't want to remember. What would it be? And why? Ooh, okay. So how long are we talking? Like I get to, if I get to re-experience something. There's no limits here. There's no limits here. I would erase my memory of my European trip and relive it again. The three months traveling. And... Have it be a different experience? Yeah. Why? I think like I learn a lot about myself and I gather a lot of like confidence after that trip, but like there were definitely like moments of not being the best person to a group of friends, but like at the end of the day, like recognizing that they're not my friends like that was also a big thing but I think also trying to be a little bit more compassionate and understanding that like my needs are not the same as everyone else's needs and so like my wants are not going to match their wants and so I think like 
Would you erase your memory to give up that lesson, though? That's, like, a fair question. I think, like, what upsets me more about that moment is that, like, I didn't just lose those three people. I lost everyone else associated with it, and I was no longer invited out. And so, like, when I came back home... I could no longer go to the parties that I used to go to with all those people because I had burnt those bridges. Yeah, like burnt those bridges, but also I had made myself look like a terrible person with a terrible attitude. So that's not necessarily like my best self, therefore... I would like to relearn that, but I think I should have learned that at an earlier stage. I do think why I learned that is because you're in a totally new environment. You have zero control over anything. You don't get to crawl into bed and just be like, okay, I'll wake up tomorrow morning and it'll be a brand new day and everything will be fine and back to normal. Your normal is like, where am I going to eat? Where am I? I'm not in uh, a country that speaks any English. And how am I going to get to the next destination? So you don't really have that like resting, comfort, recuperating time. But I wish like I had learned that earlier in life. But then it's like a kick in the pants because I'm just like, what are you supposed to not like? I That's a great lesson to learn in your early 20s. Mm-hmm. So like when else would I have learned that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think for me, I just really want to go back to Europe and experience those three months. Like that's something that I absolutely would love and just go and have fun and not stress about things that are so far out of your control. Okay. That's something for you. I was trying to think of answers the entire time you answered. Um, <laughs> oh, so I'd get a free trip to Europe again. Well, so, <laughs> well, uh, I, in your answer, I thought I wouldn't want to erase something where I, I, I um lost a lesson learned, I guess, because then I would eventually at some point likely have to relearn that lesson. So I wouldn't want that per se. I mean, like that three months, I learned like 20 lessons. So I'm erasing a lot of lessons that I definitely then like approached again at some point in my life that I probably either had previously learned and was like, oh, yeah, you need to remember not to do that. Um, Experience something for the first time, almost like never eating a certain type of fruit and then eating it for the very first time and knowing what it tastes like would probably be kind of interesting. Would be fun. Mm-hmm. Or like s- seeing something visually for the first time. But my concern with picking something like that is all of the emotions you're already feeling that day, the experience you're sh- that the whatever you were sharing it with someone like what everything that would you would lose from getting rid of that memory oh gosh I'm really concerned about memory loss now (laughs) that's really sad I guess um maybe something that's traumatizing I'd want to erase so that there's no trauma being carried (laughs) it feels like a better I know like I was like I could go down that route but I just really don't want to like I guess like I just don't want to think about it so I'm not going to pick something traumatizing as as great as that would be to like get rid of it's just not something I okay maybe a time that I was like bullied yeah I'd want to erase that 
a time that I felt like I was not accepted or mm-hmm. valued as a person. Mm-hmm. I think I would want to erase a time like that. Yeah. Do you think, like, it's really interesting whenever you see someone have to answer a question of, like, would you go back knowing, like, what you know now to high school and relive that experience? And so many people would say no. And I'm actually on the opposite spectrum and be like, you know what? I know myself really well now and I hit a lot of my personalities back then I actually think I would have had a lot more fun and just been like you know what just hang out get over (laughs) yourself like you are who you are stop being so insecure you're only this age once just like you're only this age once currently and find the people you actually connect with if you don't connect with anyone in high school so be it there's so it's, many more people in the future. It's such a hard lesson to learn. And it's something that we repeat a lot for people who are younger. Like, I'm, it's not, that's a common way uh, of thinking. I would go back just to be like, just hang out and enjoy it. You'll never have this much time to hang out with all these people. You're not going to see them again. Yep. 10 years from now, you're not. So just enjoy the time while you have. Also, free education. What up? Yeah. <laughs> Ask your teachers all the fucking questions and like take things that you're that actually interest you. Yeah. And I think like not what your friends are taking. Well, I mean, yeah, unless that's... you just want to go to class to hang out with your friends, then you're not there for the lesson anyways. But yeah, enjoy. Enjoy it. I think there would just be so many more benefits to going back and just truly not caring what other people think. Like the amount of times that like I felt as though I had to hide liking gaming except for the quote unquote cool games, which at that point, girls were only really allowed. Like in my opinion, the cool games for girls was just Mario. That's it. Like there was like nothing else. I couldn't talk to anyone about Nancy Drew because I felt so embarrassed by it. And now finding the community that I have within that I'm just like there were people my age playing those games who absolutely loved them it sucks that I didn't find those people in school granted like I don't believe like other people were necessarily playing those games but there are people out there pretty it's a pretty niche game (laughs) yes but like roller coaster tycoon like there's lots of people who played the sims but again like I didn't talk about that to anyone like I can't actually think of anyone within my circle who plays games except for one person. And that one person actually doesn't care what game you're playing so long as you like it. Yeah. And like, that's what I've now value in that person is because we can talk about games and it's like, what's bringing you value? Do you also want to be friends with people so judgmental? No. Who are probably likely equally as insecure about things, which is why they're being so judgmental. Yeah, I, I, it's a weird it's, it's a so weird developmental part of time. <laughs> and it's really interesting to think how hard high school is because of all these insecurities and so many judgments that people place on each other because it's like such a nasty world that I then think, like, how do we eliminate that? I like I really don't know what this because like you can tell anyone just be yourself and like whatnot. But if you don't know how to be yourself and confident within yourself, 
Hey. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, I actually, in the staff room today, one of my coworkers was like, my daughter's just going through it and I don't know how to tell her like, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through these next because she's in grade eight. You're going to make it through these next four years or five years or whatever. And like, none of this is going to matter. Not like, but it it's it's literally <laughs> their entire world because that's all they're living in. Yeah, and and one of the, the teachers is like, yeah, let her enjoy it. There's no she has no responsibilities right now. And she's like, I don't know how to communicate that to her. It's one of those shitty things where you only realize how good it was until you reflect back. And I'm not talking about like how good your high school like it, like there's shitty parts for a lot of people, but I'm talking about like. Again, not having the responsibilities as you do as an adult, like that part was. I, I, I truly think it just comes with age. I do too. It, there's like parts in time in life currently that you're like, and then you reflect back on it and you're like, oh, it really was nothing. Yeah. And I think like the biggest thing I learned around like 25 when something would happen, it's like, are you really going to remember this in five years? If you're not, it's really not worth worrying over at this moment in time. But if it's like a pretty traumatizing event, you'll probably remember in five years, but you won't be looming. No, over and you'll, it for you've stewing. probably learned or grown from it. Exactly. So it's like, hey, we'll give that space. But if something's literally not going to bother you in five years, give it 10 seconds to stew and brew and like literally move on because it's just not worth your time. It's not worth your mental energy. Just. Just let it be. And I think that's the hard thing about high school is everything feels so like the world feels as though it's all against you because all you know is basically within those walls. But I do wish I had more hobbies. We've never really discussed this before, but like every day I wish I had more hobbies. <laughs> we were really push into sports and like that we've extra... mentioned like practice and all yeah that. like but like sporting as in like pretty serious 16 to 18 20 hours a week of sports yeah literally when you said if you can go back to high school the my only thought is yeah i would say yes i'll go back to high school but for bloody goddamn hell i will not train four hours a day after school four days a week during the weekdays and then have four hour practices Saturday, Sunday. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not interested in that. I wasn't even interested in that while I was doing it. I had so <laughs> much joy joining the volleyball team, knowing that it was only taking four to six hours a week of my life. And it was literally right there after school, didn't have to go anywhere. And you, you got to decide that for you. Correct. I never had that. And I, okay can i just give advice to anyone raising kids they're saying you, yes you are you are raising a tiny human that is not you raise that person to be them genuine self follow the child whatever the child touches whatever ever interests that child support it don't care if they have natural talent in it if they are not interested and engaged in that thing, put it to the side. Encourage what they love and their passions and their joys and listen to them. Obviously, give a guiding hand if like for morality's sakes, sure, and respect and kindness. Yeah. But 
give them autonomy to be able to have control over their own lives because that is the one thing yeah I wish I had it's like really tough to like think back to understanding why because like I fought for two years to try and get a get a diving because it was no longer serving me it was honestly ruining my mental health more than anything and the concern was I stopped that I stopped being active and like, while I agree, because like, I wasn't then able to find something else, but it seemed as though mom and dad weren't interested in looking for anything else. It's hard to like, I didn't know what else I wanted to participate in. And no, I'm, you, we loved badminton. Like there were so many other things we enjoyed yeah, doing. I am grateful, however, that mom forced me to do swim club on Saturdays and that was my one thing that I did I didn't like it you tried ice skating you took some skating lessons you thought you were interested in that (laughs) with the eight and nine year olds as I was 16 sure uh but like that was the thing it was like okay the promise of like getting out of diving is I do have to find something to be active with I agree with that I think your kids should absolutely be active and moving your body yes but yes I'm not saying no to that but like figure out what it is and try as many things as you can physical literacy is so important for uh uh, growth like autonomy yeah but like gross uh motor functions Mm -hmm. uh so try it all yeah (laughs) so like and that's what i'm saying is like as soon as i left diving like obviously it was like upsetting and like i did miss it to a certain aspect and like there's always things that like i loved about that sport but there were so like that con list was so much bigger than that pro list that when I got put into swim club, I was like, I like how this isn't stressful. Yes, it's like really not exciting, but like the amount of stress that was on my body and in my mental head for diving totally outweighed like what swim club did. And then yeah, volleyball was a lot of fun. And then I joined the basketball team because they were desperate for players. I fucking hate basketball. <laughs> but I was like, hey, like these are my friends. They want to do something. I get to move my body. Like cost me $25. I have $25. Like it's right after school. Like, yeah. <laughs> I totally have this. And I think I'm glad you got to do those things. I'm really like <laughs> in the back of my head the only reason why I wouldn't want to go back to high school me would be because I still then would have to do diving for a year. And oh my gosh, the thought of that, like getting back onto a diving board and like crying on the diving board, basically not wanting to perform the dive and like having to go through that is just like, no bueno. I don't. I That is one part of my life that I never, ever want to have mm-hmm. to relive or have to figure out. But it is something that I often think about because I talk about this sometimes with Philip because Philip would actually go like in a heartbeat, go back to high school, relive it. I think it's for more sadder reasons. Personally, he thinks that was like the best time of his life. Oh, and I'm like, that's great. But I think you're in the now and there should be like greater things happening that you should be looking for. And he was like, no, like I was part of the football team. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're like. You liked that American dream, which again is fine, huh. but I, I love you, Philip. but I think like you're living in the past sometimes and just dreaming and wishing to relive those moments. Interesting. 
Yeah, I've realized I don't live a, a lot in the, the past. Or I don't spend a lot of time living in the past, mm -hmm. which I'm thankful for. But I spend a lot of time in the future. We've discussed this, right? We have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this was on uh, the time guy. Yeah, okay. That was my question. Yeah, what yeah. was his... Um, Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange. Strange. <laughs> <laughs> say Doctor Time. <laughs> I, like, that question has, like, stuck with me, like, weeks past. Mm -hmm. And every time I'm like, I'm in the moment. Ha, ha, ha. I'm in the <laughs> like, just so stupid. <laughs> so smug. <laughs> like, oh, like, I'm, I'm present. <laughs> I'm like... What a fucking idiot. Good on you. No, that's good. It's good to be in the moment. No, that's a good thing. And, a lot of people don't. And then, they don't take in or what's happening around them. <laughs> Anyways, or you're not in tune with your body and like moving, you're just moving through the motions. And what I think about in the past is more about happy memories rather than negative memories, mm -hmm. which is obviously then a really good thing. And mm -hmm. like those happy memories are thinking about like, oh, I would like to redo this in the future. I'm going to write this down as a future goal. And I think huh. like, that is a great way of looking at your future because in the present, what are you going to do to then get there? But yeah, and then I stupidly, I'm like, ha I'm in the present again. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> because, yeah, you had asked me, like, do I spend more time in the past or present? I was like, oh, like 50-50. Or, or, or future. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. There's three options. <laughs> and I said 50-50, future and uh, past. And then I was doing more thinking. And I thought, actually, I'm probably like 25-25-50. But 50 present seems a bit... Not a lot. It's it's quite something. To, to live 100% in the moment Yeah, is fascinating, in my opinion. I don't... Is it possible? Yeah. So then I guess like my question is, do you not schedule anything? Like, is that not a part of future? Like a yeah. doctor's appointment? That's uh, I feel like, okay, there's going to be a little bit of planning that is required in day-to-day -day yeah. life. Um, but really what some of the issues, if you are always planning then that plan you get there and you're just on to the next thing and something that you've been waiting out for looking out for is that you're really excited about is now there but you're not even present in that moment because you're consistently chasing the next thing so like the exception would be like a doctor's appointment then right or yeah no? or like um a trip you were planning to go on a trip obviously there's details that need to be sorted out but you're not you're sorting out the details you're not living that moment mm -hmm. you're not going like okay and then i'm gonna be there it's gonna feel like this and it's gonna look like gotcha. this and gotcha. it's just no i have to be there at this time to to drive that momentum forward or that motion yeah. forward because like i was then thinking i i this was another thing i kept thinking about I was like, but then like, how do you plan things if you're trying to always live in the present? Because it was like, I couldn't just be like, I'm just going to book a plane ticket because I, I need to take time. Like there's little oh, things. Yes, where... of course. Okay. So the, there's exceptions to this rule. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why don't we go back to the movie and start our rating? <laughs> Sounds good. What is your story rating? I get a four out of five. Okay. I gave it a three out of five upon learning the embellishments and possibly what could have happened. 
The other issue is it wasn't the first time I had seen it. So I think like that's where it kind of gets deducted some marks. But I get a four because I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the first time I watched it and how entertained I was. And I was I was still entertained watching it this time. Obviously not as. Yeah, it wasn't as thrilling because I knew what was coming up. Music. I get a four to five. It is. Yeah. Very good music. I also gave it a four out of five. That repeated line was just phenomenal, as I had already said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Visuals. I get a four out of five. It, it's so this movie's so fun to look at. They're yes. they're traveling all over the place. The costumes, um, in order for him to fit in, he's in a uh, I was gonna say doctor's office. He's in a hospital, he's at an airport, he they're traveling around. Um I don't know. It just, it's really visually fun to look at. And even when he goes in, goes into when he's in Europe, there's like a complete lighting change. It's much darker when he goes over there. We know it's near the the end of him and like the downfall of all of his cons. So I liked that. And it's really, whenever he's pulling off a con, it's like super bright and um, inviting, not warm, but like. There is a warm tone to this film though. Yes. Because, like, if you think of, there's, like, no bright colors except for the Pam and um, flight attendants. Yes. Yeah. But it's, like, it's, like, in, in, inviting. Pan-am. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am also a four. I think it's just a really beautiful film. Steven Spielberg does a really good job. Like, mm-hmm. he's obviously won awards for very specific reasons. Fun fact, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio had 100 different outfits for this film. Cool. Yeah. So that is a lot. Very In a cool. two and a half hour yeah. film, that is a lot of changes and a lot of wardrobe. Um, and then all of the extras as well. I think they had about 4,000 different costumes that for this. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because again, like all the airport scenes and stuff. So yeah, what is your overall score? Eight out of 10. I am a 7.3 out of 10. IMDb is 8.1 out of 10. So you're pretty, cool. pretty, pretty close. Yeah. Do we keep this DVD? I want to say yes. It's a good film. I'm really conflicted because yes, it is a good film, but like. Would I watch it again? Uh, I don't know. I kind of want to just say yes. I rated it high, so I enjoyed it. And if someone needed to watch it or wanted to watch it, I'd lend it to them. Yeah. But then I, like, I'm I'm okay keeping it. But I also then think, for me personally, I actually think I would reach more for Matchstick Men and watch Nicolas Cage over, a, like, this type of con movie. Oh. It's not to say that we can't keep it. Like, I definitely agree. But, like, if we're going Did to, we keep that one? We did keep that yeah, one. Okay. But, like, on the con level side of things, Matchstick Men is probably a really phenomenal film that I actually think I enjoy more than I actually had realized, like, upon thinking about it. And it has to do with Nicolas Cage's performance. That is a good movie. And then I also thought about The Spinning Man and how that film almost was great. And then that ending was like, fuck you. That movie bothers me. <laughs> I think it's almost been a year since that is one. It. You know what? If I'm going to get something out of my memory, that's the one. Really? Occasionally I'll have thoughts of it and how disappointing <laughs> it was. And I don't remember the title. I just, oh, what's that one movie? It was just unsettling. 
Yeah. Disappointing. Disappointing is the best <laughs> way. Like 80% of that film is great. <laughs> and then the last 20 minutes, you're like, 20%, what? you're like, really? Oh, okay. Why? That's what we're doing. Okay. It is time to bid adieu to Catch Me If You Can and move on to next week's pick. Are you ready to pick next week's movie? What are I, we watching? I am. I'm scared. Not going to lie. Okay. I don't hate this pick. <laughs> okay. Let's let's just put it this way. It's going to be a very easy watch. It is not an animated film, but it is an easy watch. Okay. Have I seen it? You have seen it. And you've seen it? And I've seen it. Okay. Did we see it together? We did see it together. In the movie theater? In the movie theater. And it's been a long time since I have seen this film. However, not as long as like when we had seen it in the movie theater. Um. This movie is now 21 years old, and I'm just now thinking, holy smokes, you saw this in the movie theater? Like, this is wild. Some top names in this film. I don't know who to start with. Start with. Um, Do you have any other questions before I try to? Nope. I was nine when it came out, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you one of the guy's names. Patrick Dempsey. Do you know who that is? Literally no face in my brain. <laughs> I was like, I'll go for one that maybe she doesn't really recognize his face. Okay. But I recognize the name. Yes. He <laughs> is on Grey's Anatomy or was on Grey's Anatomy. He was a doctor. I know I've you did not watch. Never seen Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I know, but I figured, like, with all of the years it's been, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dakota Fanning plays the child actor. Is this Uptown Girls? It's not. Ugh. Wow, that would have been too perfect. I literally was discussing that movie with someone two days ago. Oh, <laughs> that would have been too perfect. No, so this part, so Dakota Fanning plays the child in the film. She's only actually in the first couple of scenes at the beginning of the film, and then it cuts to elder character played by someone else in uh, this film. Who you're not giving me the answer to. No, because I feel as though this would really give it away, but I... Yet, the other two names that you've dropped, nothing. Nothing. Um, there is a Civil War reenactment that is a part of this film. Her dad is a very Civil War reenactor. That might this, give away... This movie sounds so familiar. <laughs> that might give away a state. Nope. That sounds so familiar, though. <laughs> Uh, the biggest hint that I just dropped was state, but that's okay. Oh, it's Sweet Home Alabama. Correct. Do you remember seeing this one in the movie theater? You have like this look of like, I don't really remember. There's a plane. There's a barking dog. I've seen this movie multiple times. Okay. That's what I thought. I've seen this movie multiple times that somehow I've seen bonus footage of it. Okay. So I must have watched the DVD and got really bored and watched all the bonus footage. And I know a test audience uh, reaction of the film because there was an alternate ending um, to it. And the alternate ending upset the audience a lot that they actually scrapped it. So uh, if I remember to tell that story next week, I'll I'll tell that story next week. But I might find it also in my fact findings. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely know that the DVD is not wrapped because I've also pulled it off the shelf and have rewatched it since. 
but I really want to say I was probably like 2008, 2009 was the last time I have seen this film. Oh, yeah, probably same. But I think I've seen this one like between three and five times. I would also agree with that. It was one that played on the TV. Yes, it did. And I also would say because the collection wasn't nearly as big as it is today, Mm -hmm. that was one movie that we would probably go towards. Mm Mm-hmm to watch so it's available on disney plus i wish you had given me reese witherspoon's name Mm -hmm. to see how long it would have taken me to get there really yep so you don't think you would have gotten it i think i would have listed quite a few movies before i got there oh okay yeah good to know We are going to end the episode there. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to follow us along, hit the follow or subscribe button. If you would like to follow us on any of our socials, those are linked in the show notes below. Until then, have a really great week. Take care, everyone.